Good morning, Evangel. How are you doing this morning? Oh, come on. How are you doing this morning? Good, good. Well, it's great to see uh, all of you who are here, and it's great to know that there's some of you there online. So no matter how it is you're joining this morning, thank you for being here. Uh, As we just go into a time of worship right now, why don't you stand, and uh, we can do that together. Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, where your streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place, though I walk through the wilderness. Blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be your name when the sun's shining down on me, when the world's all as it should be. Blessed be your name. And blessed be your name. On the road marked with suffering Though there's pain in the offering Blessed be your name And every blessing you pour out I'll turn back to praise When the darkness closes in, Lord Still I will say Blessed be the name of the Lord Blessed be your name Blessed be the name of the Lord Blessed be your glorious name You give and take away You give and take away My heart will choose to say Lord, blessed be your name You give and take away You give and take away My heart will choose to say Lord, blessed be your name Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord Blessed be your name Blessed be the name of the Lord Blessed be your glorious name Blessed be the name of the Lord Blessed be your name Blessed be the name of the Lord Blessed be your glorious name
God is able, He will never fail. He is Almighty God, greater than all we seek, greater than all we ask. He has done great things, lifted up, He defeated the grave. Race to life, our God is able. In His name, we overcome. For the Lord, our God is able. And God is with us. God is on our side He will make a way Far above all we know Far above all we hope He has done great things Lifted up He defeated the grave Raised to life our God is able, in His name we overcome, for the Lord our God is able, and God is with us, oh He will go before, He will never leave us. He will never leave us, and God is for us. He has open arms, He will never fail us. He will never fail us. Lifted up, He defeated the grave. Raised to life, our God is faithful in His name. We overcome For the Lord Our God is able Lifted up He defeated the grave Raised to life Our God is able In His name We overcome For the Lord our God is able for the Lord. Our God is able for the Lord. Our God is able. Amen. Do you believe that? Won't you say hi to somebody as you're seated this morning? Thank you. You may be seated. Well, good morning. And welcome to Evangel on this beautiful first Sunday of October. Beautiful fall weather, beautiful day. Glad you could be here to be with us today. Those of you who can't be here in person, thank you for joining us via the live stream. We're glad you're here too. And uh, whether we're here or watching from elsewhere, uh, as I say every week, our prayer is that, our, that we would encounter God in a very powerful way that is life-changing, encouraging, strengthening for us as we live out our lives and seek Him in every area of our lives. 
I have a few announcements this morning, and but I want to say if, if this is your first Sunday here, maybe you've not been here before, we just want to be able to come alongside you and serve you and uh, assist you in any way that we can. And so the, the best way we've found to be able to connect with you is through the card that you'll find in the chair pocket in front of you if you just take it and fill it out. And at the end of the service today, you can take it to the information desk in the foyer, leave it with someone there, and um, there's a small gift there for you, but it'll be an opportunity for us to be able to reach out and connect if that's something that you'd like, if we can help you uh, in any way. I want to say thank you to those of you who last week was our our uh, fall barbecue, and it was a rainy day, but we moved it inside, but there was a lot of people involved, a lot of busy hands, a lot of people committing their time to make that happen, so I just want to publicly say thank you to all of you who served so faithfully in the picnic last week, and then yesterday uh, at the funeral for Milt Farrow, so many of you brought in uh, sweets, and you served and, and cleaned up and did so many things, so thank you uh, for all of you for, for doing that. Uh, also, I just want to let you know that after 17 years of very faithful service, our office administrator, Cindy Joyner, has decided to retire. And uh, we're happy for Cindy, a little envious if we're to be honest, uh, but we're happy for, for Cindy and we just value her so much and it's going to be a big change for us uh, in the office for sure uh, with Cindy not there. But I just wanted to let you know that as of the uh, middle to near the end of November, Cindy will be wrapping things up as we, uh, as we settle things and, and, and go through the transition, but uh, just wanted to let you know as a congregation, I know many of you have contact with Cindy on a regular basis for different things, and just to let you know that uh, she will be retiring, and, uh, and we will celebrate that at a little further point down the road, but just to give you that heads up that, that she'll be wrapping up her work as the admin uh, the office administrator in, 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 uh, here at EPC. So, and we'll be engaging in a process to, to try to find her replacement. Just one other announcement, and that is that small groups are now uh, starting to meet again. And uh, if you are not in a small group and you have some questions about that, if that's something that you'd like to maybe explore and find out, uh, the person that oversees our small groups, Ross Cree, will be in the foyer at one of the kiosks this morning after the service. And if you just want to go by, ask some questions, find out some information about the different groups and where they meet and uh, when they meet and so on, I just encourage you to do that. Kids, you are free to go with your leaders. Uh, ushers, we can receive the morning tithes and offerings. And if you want to give electronically this morning, you can send an e-transfer, giving at epcoakville.com. Calm. Thank you so much. God bless you. And um, I'll talk to you a little more later. God bless you. Thank you. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone and I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God 
And I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God My mother's womb, you have chosen me. Love has called my name, and I've been born again into your family. Your blood flows through my veins, and I'm no longer slave to fear I am a child of God and I'm no longer a slave to fear oh I am a child of God and I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God And I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God You split the sea so I could walk right through it. My fears were drowned in perfect love. You rescued me so I could stand and sing. Oh, I am a child of God. Split the sea so I could walk right through it. My fears were drowned in perfect love. You rescued me so I could stand and sing. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear Oh, I am a child of God And I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. And I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God.
Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, I worship His holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship Your holy name. The sun comes up, it's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes and bless the Lord oh my soul oh my soul worship his holy name and sing like never before oh my soul I worship your holy name. You're rich in love and you're slow to anger. Your name is great and your heart is kind. For all your goodness I will keep on singing ten thousand reasons for my heart to find bless the lord oh my soul oh my soul worship his holy name sing like never before Oh, my soul, I worship your holy name. And bless the Lord, oh, my soul, oh, my soul, worship his holy name. And sing like never before, oh, my soul. I worship your holy name. And on that day when my strength is failing, the end draws near and my time has come. Still my soul will sing your praise unending ten thousand years and then forevermore and bless the lord oh my soul oh my soul i worship his holy name Sing like never before, 
upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. So turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. In the light of his glory and grace. Thank you, God. Lord for your grace this morning that covers all our mistakes, all our shame, all our sin would we remember that we're not too far from you ever that we can simply turn and face you and you are there with open arms ready to receive us having already forgiven us already sacrificed yourself on the cross to cover our sin God thank you for that reminder this morning And so as we move into the next part of the service and and the rest of the day, God, would you just be working in this place? Would you be working in our hearts? That even as as we've worshipped you through song, would we worship you with our attentiveness to to the word that's going to be spoken this morning? Would Would we take what we learned this morning, would we encourage to live it out in our lives? always encouraged by who you are and the fact that you're always there with us. So thank you again for this morning. Bless us, be with Pastor Shannon as he speaks and be with every part of the service here this morning, God. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is found in 1 Samuel chapter 30 and we're going to read the first six verses together. David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it and had taken captive the women and everyone else in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. When David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been captured, Ahinaham of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Thank you, you may be seated. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, worship team, for leading us this morning. 
At the time that I attended Master's College and Seminary, which was Eastern Pentecostal Bible College at that time, to earn my undergraduate degree, there was a very special graduation tradition. The entire student body, about 500 students, was divided into four parts, tenor, bass, alto, soprano. That's where I got my start singing soprano was at that time. Just never driven in the car with me. For months, we would practice for the graduation, and what we would be practicing is the uh, Hallelujah Chorus from Handel's Messiah, which many consider to be the greatest piece of church music in all of history. And so for months, we would practice and prepare so On graduation day, we would all be dressed in our school uniforms, which was a navy suit, and we would form a mass choir to perform for those attending the graduation. It was actually a very beautiful and moving experience. Now, what many people are not aware of is that George Frederick Handel, who wrote Handel's Messiah, was at a very low point in his life when he wrote this magnificent piece. His money was gone. Some of you are thinking, well, I can relate to that. His money was gone. His uh, creditors were hounding him, threatening him with imprisonment. His right side had become paralyzed. His health was deteriorating. And for a very brief time, as he tells his life story, he he was tempted to just give up. It was just too much to give up. But in the midst of all of that darkness, he began to do the only thing that he knew how to do, write music. And it was out of that deep, incredibly dark season of his life that he wrote The Messiah, one of the most beautiful and magnificent magnificent pieces of music in church history. Today, we are continuing our fall series, which we've entitled Heart for God, based on the life of David, who we have referred to, as Scripture refers to, as a man after God's own heart. And so today, we're going to be considering David and his men who found themselves in a discouraging and painful situation, and we'll consider Today, what we want to look at really is how David's response was different than the response of his men. That's the focus we want to look at today. And as we do that, we are going to be reminded that the strength of those who have a heart for God grows stronger when facing discouraging and painful circumstances because they find their strength in God. And so let's just quickly walk through his story today. We're going to begin with the idea of the enemies. Last week we focused on the story of David and Saul and their encounter in the cave and that we talked about Saul being jealous of David. It was determined to find him and to kill him. And last week as we looked at that, the story ended with Saul recognizing the integrity of David, 
in fact, praising David for the actions that he took, said, you know, you're a better man than I am, and admitting to David by yelling across the valley so all could hear that David would indeed someday be the future king of Israel. And so as we read and and wrapped up that story last week, it appeared as if Saul's pursuit of David had ended. It It was over, but it hadn't. Saul continued to pursue David, even after that experience, causing David to remain on the run and stay in hiding. Now, David was running out of hiding places. That's what became problematic because Saul seemed to be able to find him everywhere he went. He was running out of places to hide where Saul couldn't find him. And so they decided that they would hide among, in a place where where Saul would never think to look for him among Israel's enemy, the Philistines. And so the Philistine king, surprisingly, gave David his men, their families, their livestock, a piece of land that they could live on called, in an area called Ziklag. So David and his 600 men, it had grown from four to six at this point, their families, their livestock, lived in Ziklag for 16 months. And during that time, they had favor with the king. And during that time, they did fight battles, but it was against another enemy, the Amalekites. And each time, David and his men had victory. But in the meantime, the Philistines who were hosting them were getting ready to go to war to fight against none other but Saul himself and Israel. And so David and his men felt obligated to fight with them. It would be the honorable right thing to do. I mean, the king had given them a place to live, had protected them, had provided all of this for them, and they felt indebted to him. So they offered their services to come alongside and fight in the battle against Saul and Israel. But the Philistine army commanders weren't comfortable with this. They were, you know, this was not a good arrangement. They didn't want to fight amongst David and his men. They didn't, they didn't trust David. These are foreigners. These are, these are Israelite men. They're, they're foreigners. And so we, we're not comfortable with this arrangement. And so to accommodate the commanders, we're told that the king sent David and his men back home. It was a three-day journey back home, and in their absence, the Amalekites had attacked their home piece of territory, Ziglag, and took everything that they could find. And what was left, they burned it to the ground. They took their wives, they took their children, the elderly, they carried them all the way into slavery. And so David and his men were looking forward to seeing their families. They were going home. They didn't have to fight now. They were going back to the comforts of home. But what they didn't realize as they approached home is that the smoke that was rising was not the smoke from the cooking fires. It was the smoke from the utter destruction that was left behind by the Amalekites. Emotions. As David and his men surveyed the landscape, the reality of what had taken place began to sink in. Everything that was important to them was gone. Their sons, their daughters, their wives, their parents, their livestock, all their belongings, everything that they owned was gone. These fighting men, were told, these harsh fighting men began to weep out loud, wailing at the reality of what had taken place. It says that they wept until they didn't have any more strength left to weep. 
They're emotionally exhausted. They had emptied themselves of emotion. And then their weeping gave way to different emotions. Bitterness, anger, discouragement. Because they were convinced that they were never going to see their families again. And then their bitterness led to blame. David was their leader. He's the one who led them away. He was responsible for what had happened. If it wasn't for David, they wouldn't have been away for this to happen. They lost confidence in their leader. They didn't believe in him anymore. And so they had given up on him. In fact, not only did they give up on him, they decided they were going to stone him to death. They were going to kill him. Rather than focusing on the enemy, they began fighting amongst themselves. Now, it's important to notice here, and this is the point of looking at this scripture this morning, is that David's response was different than the response of his men. In the midst of this distress and the discouragement, David too had lost his family. David too had lost his livestock and and his belongings. He too had experienced exactly what all of them had experienced But it says, but David found strength in the Lord. In the the original Hebrew language, these two words, found strength, literally mean to become stronger. To become stronger. And so while the others were unraveling, they're falling apart due to their circumstances, David is getting stronger in the Lord. How is it possible that some would become bitter, that some would resort to blaming, that some of them would fall apart while this other person is finding increasing strength in the Lord? It just just seems odd. They're all in the same place experiencing the same thing. Because we're told that David had a heart for God. And in our first week, we talked about what that meant, is that his heart was aligned with God's heart. His heart was aligned with the heart of God. He trusted God wholeheartedly, which has been the theme woven all throughout his life. And so David took a different approach. He said, listen, bring me the ephod. The ephod was just a vest, an apron, if you will, that that oftentimes a priest would wear when they would go before God and, 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 you know, stand before the altar. The ephod was a symbol of intercession, of standing between a circumstance or a people and God and calling out to God on behalf of those that you're representing. And so David is now wearing the ephod on behalf of what had happened in Ziglag, on behalf of the 600 men and their families and their situation. And he, he's, he begins to pray and he says, Lord, like I just need to know what I should do here. I, I don't know what to do. I need direction. I need counsel. I need, I need to know how to respond here. Should I pursue these enemies? Should I go after them? Should I try to try to get our, everything back, or, or should I just leave it alone? And, and if I do, will I win? Will we be successful, or will we fail? And God responded to him 
with a command and a promise. And he said, yes, you must pursue. You have to. I want you to pursue. And yes, you will certainly succeed. Finally, we see that they are energized. Once David consulted God, he became energized. He became strengthened. And as he became stronger, as he became energized by this encounter with God, that began to spill over out of his life and inspire the people around him in finding and taking, you know, to inspire to to step up and to take back their families and their belongings. They were impacted by David's experience and life with God. David's heart for God not only impacted his own life, but here we see it impacting those around him who had given up. Now, it's interesting to note they decided, okay, we're going to pursue and God told us to, so, and we're going to do this, and we're ready to go. And all of a sudden, it was like, wait, well, wait a minute. We don't even know where they are. We don't even know where to go. We don't even know who to pers- where, where to pursue, what roads to take. And so they just randomly, we're told, are just stepping out in search, seeing if they can find any evidence of where they may have gone. And they came across this Egyptian slave that's starving in a field, The Amalekites had left him behind because he was sick. And so they took care of him. They gave him food and they gave him water. And in return for their hospitality and kindness, they agreed to lead him, lead these men to the camp where the families were being held. And so they found the camp. And there was a celebration going on there. They were eating and they were drinking and they were celebrating because they were successful. And so David and his men strategically waited until dawn. The Amalekites were drinking all night, and by the time morning came, they were sleeping, and they were hungover from the effects of the drinking. And and so, you know, David and his men then moved in at their most vulnerable time. Now, there's some things about the attack that I think are important to note. David didn't go alone. They went together to retrieve what was stolen. It's important to note that the scripture says they fought for a long time. It was not quick. It was not easy. They fought all day and they fought all night and they endured through the battle until the end. There were a group of 200 of them that didn't have the strength to fight. They had, they had, it was just too much for them. And so they, they stayed behind and there were 400 that went to fight. And they fought for those who didn't have the strength to fight. And most importantly about this battle, we're told that they fought with the strength and the command that was given and the promise that was given to them by God. And so when the dust settled, everything that they owned had been recovered. Nothing was missing. In fact, Scripture says they ended up with more than they had before. And so David returned to Ziklag with his family and his livestock, his belongings, the men, all of their families and their things, because David had led the defeat of their enemy. David had overcome the discouragement of his circumstances because he had a heart for God. And in the midst of all of that, he had increasing strength.
When we think about how this may relate to us this morning, there are two areas that I would like to focus on. Um, Claudette, maybe you can help me with the keynote. First is battles. I believe most of us are like David and his men. You know, like we're, we're living our lives, we're doing the best we can, we're trying to serve and honor God as best we can, but our desire to serve and honor God does not exempt us from painful circumstances. And we find ourselves facing enemies such as grief and hurt and loss and sickness and dysfunction and brokenness, pain that robs our joy and robs our peace and, and our strength and our hope, robs our future, our dreams, our marriages, our families, our children, our health. And we're left hurting. We're left confused sometimes. We're disappointed, even overwhelmed, because what matters most to us is being threatened or it's been taken away. And what when what is important to us is lost, when those we love are impacted, the natural response is the response of David's men. We, we find ourselves weeping. And, and I believe that many of us have known the experience of weeping before the Lord, crying out to God literally, lying in our beds at night as the tears flow onto our pillows. We've had those moments. Many of us, like David's men, have wept until we feel there's no strength left to weep, that we are just emotionally exhausted. We're empty. I want to note that God has given us the grieving process to help us. Grieving is a valuable gift to help us journey through loss and change and discouragement. Grieving and weeping is important to the healing process. But the issue is, where will our weeping and our grieving take us? That's the question. If it's a problem if, like David's men, our grieving leads us to bitterness. If our grieving leads us to anger. It's a problem if our grieving leads us to blaming. It's a problem if we get stuck in our grief and and, and that is actually a technical term within the world of grief of when people get stuck in the grieving process and can't move forward because there's always movement in the healthy grieving process. And so often when we're facing painful circumstances, there's, there's a need within us oftentimes to place the blame somewhere or on someone for what's happened to us. Maybe, you know, maybe we blame God or our church or our spouse, our children, a friend, an employer. Sometimes we blame ourselves. And so I want to encourage us today that we, we allow ourselves to be real. We allow ourselves to grieve but we have to be careful that our grieving doesn't take us to harmful places. Harmful places where everything becomes hopeless and bitterness settles in. We will face unexpected battles and we will experience painful losses that will cause us to grieve. 
But let's be careful to not allow our circumstances to take us to places that will harm us, not help us. The second thing I want to talk about today is support. Many of us are going to face battles that are very difficult to face, and we may, like David's men, have the battle longer than we would want to, because some battles are not won quickly, and some of them are not won easily. And that's why it's important to be a part of a community. That's why it's important to have people in our lives who will encourage us. It's important to have people in our lives that will pray for us. It's important to have people in our lives who pray with us, who will stand with us when we no longer have the strength left to fight for ourselves. However, while the support of others is very important, and it is critically important, we can't forget, and we are reminded of it in our scripture today, we can't forget that our primary support needs to come from God. Our primary support needs to come from God and the increasing strength that he gives. Because the truth is this. Over time, many people will stop checking in as often as they did in the beginning. They'll stop bringing things by as frequently as they did before. Some people may stop believing in us. Some people may stop supporting us. It it happens all the time. People start to fall away. Some will turn their attention to their own stuff. It's like, I've been there, I've been trying to help you, but listen, I got stuff going on in my own life. I need to focus on that right now, and I I just can't be there for you anymore. It happens. David had 200 men that couldn't go forward. They were exhausted. They had gone as far as they could go. And there may be some in our lives who start the journey with us. They start out with us. They're right there. They're supporting. But they can't complete the journey with us. They can't keep going. They give up. They have nothing more to give. And so that's why it's important that we not depend entirely on other people for our emotional well-being and support because it will come to a point where that will be too much for the people around us, as important as it is. The primary focus of our support needs to be God. We need to somehow learn to find increasing strength that comes from God in the midst of our circumstances, like David did. The support of others is necessary and important, but it can't ever be a substitute for putting our trust in God as our first priority. Now, many of us can testify to the fact that God's strength has carried us through some very painful seasons. I'm sure this room is filled with stories and testimonies of times when God's strength has carried us. Some of you are watching today. You can say, God has carried me through painful seasons. And you know what? We can't explain it. We might try to explain it to people, but we can't explain it because oftentimes we don't even understand it. We don't even know 
How's that even possible? I don't understand it. I can't explain it. But I just know that he has strengthened me when my strength was gone. And he carried me through. See, the strength of those whose hearts are aligned with God's, it grows stronger when facing discouraging and painful circumstances because they find their strength in God, just like David did. I'm going to invite our worship team to return. Folks, we will face unexpected battles, and we will experience painful losses that will cause us to grieve. But let's be careful to not allow our circumstances to take us to places that will harm us, not help us. The support of others is important and it's necessary, it's valuable, but it can't be a substitute for putting our trust in God as our first priority. The strength of those who have a heart for God grows stronger when facing discouraging and painful circumstances because they find their strength in God. I'm going to invite you to stand with us this morning. In a few moments, we're going to celebrate communion together. On your way in this morning, you should have received a self-contained communion elements. We're going to celebrate communion here in the building, and for those of you who are unable to physically be here today, we're inviting you from your home to celebrate with us as well. Folks, communion reminds us of where our strength comes from. Communion reminds us of that, of the Savior that we serve, of the work that he's done, of why it's even possible to find the strength that we need in God. Andrew's going to lead us for a few moments, and then we will celebrate communion together as a church family this morning. Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace. When fears are stilled and striving cease, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in hell, this babe, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save. Till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God 
were satisfied for every sin on him was laid here in the death of Christ I live you may not have used one of these before if you just depress the tab with your thumb a thin plastic layer will separate you can pull that back and access the wafer and then the larger tab will give you access the cup in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 23 to 24 the apostle Paul wrote these words to the Corinthian church he said for I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself on the night when he was betrayed the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks for it And then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your broken body. Thank you, Lord. Then in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's drink together. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's just continue to worship as Andrew leads us for a few more moments this morning. Thank you, Lord God. There in the ground his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain. Then bursting forth in glorious day, Up from the grave he rose again And as he stands in victory Since curse has lost its grip on me For I am his and he is mine Bought with the precious blood of Christ And no guilt in life, no fear in death This is the power of Christ in me From life's first cry to final breath Jesus commands my destiny No power of hell, no scheme of man Can never pluck me from his hand Till he returns or calls me home Here in the power of Christ I'll stand Lord Jesus, today we declare that we stand 
in the power of Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, thank you for laying down your life to redeem ours, to give us relationship with God, to forgive our sins, to give us hope and a future, to give us a hope beyond this life that to be absent from this body will be one day to be present with you. Thank you for all of the hope that is tied into the cross and the resurrection. And Lord, for all of us today, as we find our way through this life, as we face the battles that we face, as we face things we weren't expecting that impact us in ways we never would have thought, Lord, today in these moments, we need you more than ever. We need your strength. And so we pray today that you would help us to align our hearts with yours, that your priorities become our priorities, your values become our values. Lord, your mission becomes our mission. Your love becomes our love. And there's an incredible trust in you that flows from our lives because of who you are and all that you've done. Thank you for your past faithfulness. Thank you that your past faithfulness is a reminder to us that in those moments that you gave us strength that we didn't understand or couldn't explain in the past, we know that you will be there through every high and every low that we will face in the future, sustaining us and strengthening us. Lord, today we pray for Edith. We pray that you would just bring comfort and peace and strength to her continue to do that as she's in the hospital and Lord I just pray for her family today that you would provide your peace and comfort and strength for them as well as they make this journey together Lord we pray for Mary and her family as they begin this next season of life without Milt and we just thank you for Milt's life and we just pray for his family now as they move forward for your help, your love, your strength, and your peace for them. And Lord, we pray for others who are here today or others who are watching from other places that carry incredible burdens and are facing significant challenges, experience deep losses. We pray for them as well. You would come alongside and be their comfort and their strength. And Lord, as we leave this place today, we leave knowing as the psalmist said, where does my strength, my help come from? Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Where will our strength come from? Our strength comes from the Lord. We know that. So Lord, just remind us of it as we go. Make us stronger as we lean into you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here today. Have a good week. God willing, we'll see you next Sunday.